Got a scan on the liver. Things are still not growing, which is a blessing. He said if it ever grows that maybe millimeters it's growing, but at this point they just monitor it. And thank the Lord, Byron, it's a slow-growing tumors, small ones yeah. on the liver. Yeah. But I'm blessed to have something that you can live with. And I think I told you, the doctor told me a few years ago, he said, Randy, you got a better chance of getting eaten by a tiger in Africa than this taking your life. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. It's always a pleasure to get together with you, friend, and have you stop by and meet our guest. It was literally one year ago today that my guest was here with us, Randy Shepard with Crossfire Ministries. Randy, welcome to Memphis. It's a blessing to be here. I got off the plane about three hours ago, and bam, you worked me in quick. I appreciate the opportunity. So what was plane like flying into Memphis. I mean, I haven't been on a plane since the COVID. Well, it's kind of funny. We were approaching the runway, and then he pulled it up at the last minute, <laughs> and everybody started looking around, and then he came on and said that the controller had got him a little close, but I got to fly over the uh, football stadium, U of M, and I got to fly over the Liberty area down there where the old Mid-South Coliseum was, and 30 years ago, I played ball in there with Spirit Express. That's right. Got some pictures from the air of those things. (laughs) It was good to see them again. And then we got on the ground, and Dave and Quentin picked me up, and we went and got a bite to eat. So really, the Memphis area was kind of a launching pad for you, and it was where God started honing you and discipling you and mentoring you into what Crossfire Ministries is today. Would you say that? Oh, most definitely. Memphis is a great memories. I was thinking about some flying in. I came over here green uh, behind the ears in 1988 and went with Spirit Express. Didn't know anything about Memphis, but Elvis. And that's all I knew. I had tried out in Chicago with a six foot four and under pro team that Michael Jordan, who got to play on the same team with in high school, he got me that tryout. And I really thought I was going to make that team because the Lord had gotten a hold of my life my junior year at UNC Asheville, graduated. And then I heard about this pro team that was six foot four and under that was all over the country. They eventually had one in Memphis called the Memphis Rockers. But I went to Chicago via Michael's contact and I got cut. And we all know what it means to get cut. Unfortunately, churches run their pastors off sometimes. One out of two Christian marriages end in divorce and kids get cut from ball teams. But the day I got cut in Chicago was a good thing because walking out of the gym that day, a guy walking beside of me, I hadn't talked to him the entire week. But I'd been praying and I turned to him and I said, have you ever played in Europe? Have you ever played overseas? And he said, no, but I'm a Christian. He said, I played on a Christian ministry team in Memphis, Tennessee, known as the Spirit Express. And Byron, just like that, I thought, man, maybe that's what God has for me. So I came down here in the summer of 88 for an interview. They said, it's not just basketball. We want to hear your testimony. We want to hear a desire to share your faith. And then you got to be able to compete on that level. Well, thank the Lord it all checked off. And you'll love this. When I left Asheville, my pastor said to me, Randy, I want you to go to a little small country church in Memphis called Bellevue. And he said, the pastor there is a friend of mine. Well, I didn't know any better. I was looking for a small church and I ended up downtown and it wasn't a small church. No, it wasn't. And then I never went to seminary, but I sat under Dr. Rogers for four years, which is probably better than seminary. Nothing against you seminary professors out there, but I was blessed and then started Crossfire in 93. So definitely Memphis is like a home base ministry for me. And I get to come here once a year. I'm going to be in town for 10 days speaking in churches and teams and schools and 
wherever God opens the door through COVID, and I always get to see you. So thank I love you, buddy. It. Well, listen, I love it. And it brings back memories for me, too, because I remember those early days, the late 80s, when the Crossfire Ministries came. And I remember you practiced there at the gymnasium at Bellevue when yes. it was downtown. And I also remember that the radio station back then did some promotion. There would be like local events where you would take on you know, a team. I'm trying to remember some of the teams. Alabama-Birmingham. That's right. We played at the Mid-South Coliseum, and then we played New Orleans one time yep. there. I think before I got there, they played U of M, which was not U of M then. It would have been uh, Memphis State University. That's right. But yeah, but Spirit I remember Express, doing. I remember yeah. doing some of the promotions and you know giving tickets out to listeners and having some giveaways. Oh and yeah, having a fun night wow. for family, you know. Oh, so yeah. that brings back a lot of memories. And the coach at that time, Eldon Lawyer, and Dennis Cantrell yeah, was a president. Yes, Dennis Cantrell. Dennis passed away a few years ago. I think you told me yeah, that. But Eldon uh, is now with his wife in Oklahoma. She's a children's pastor, and he's still using basketball to teach young people in Oklahoma. And he had a 70th birthday. 70? We're dating ourselves. Oh, my goodness. He had a 70th birthday, and his wife Facebooked me and said, will you send E, as we called him, a voice memo? So I did, And uh, but great memories. What a great examples, too, of those who are spirit-filled with the Holy Spirit following the commands of Christ, you know, being regenerated by the gospel, you know, and allowing that to change their life. And there were stories I know with Eldon at practice, you know, I mean, he was very soft-spoken. Oh, yeah. But he had a way of commanding your attention. Oh, yeah. He was. The Lord used Eldon. And, you know, we had, like the disciples, we had all different personalities. But interesting from that is there probably been 15 or 16 players that went on to be pastors. And then Jamie and I went back to start Crossfire, another evangelistic ministry. So there was a lot of guys that came through that God pushed them out into other ministries around the country. And you mentioned Quentin Lytle you had lunch with today. Yeah. Of course, Quentin was there. I think he would had the, the 42-inch, oh, yeah. what was it, the vertical? Unbelievable. He, I used to say Quentin made me look good. I would throw the ball up to him around the rim, and he would dunk <laughs> it forwards and backwards. Funny story, we were in a prison, Parchman Prison, down in Mississippi, and I always had this thing. You go in there, these inmates are tough guys, you know. And I said, Q, if they ever come out on the court— you get up there on the top of the backboard, I'm going to jump as high as I can, and you can pull me up there. Well, I threw Quentin an alley-oop pass from half court, and he went up and caught it about the top of the square and dunked it. And I was trying to be, I was young, I probably turned my back to run down the court, and I looked up, and the inmates were on the court, but they were giving him high fives. And I thought, wow, they've come after us, but they were giving him high fives. What a story. As I mentioned, one year ago today, that the last time we got together, why do you like coming to this show? I love your personality, I love you, and I love the Mid-South, and I know the the impact that your station has in the community, and I'm not Paul by any stretch of the mind, but Paul would go back and tell folks what happened in the ministry, because there are folks that are praying for us, folks that support us in this area, so I like for them to know what the Lord's doing, because they're a part of the team. They may not be out there on the front lines with us, but they're praying, they're giving, and we're all on the same team. We're all on the same team. I like that, Randy. Challenges in 2020. Now, that is going to be a boatload right there for so many looking back at 2020. And even as we step into 2021, the adjustments, the challenges to doing ministry in a pandemic world that we're living in right now with COVID-19. Yes, sir. We had to change some things. We haven't been out of the country. And the year before last, 2019, we were in uh, about 11 countries and 18 states. January, February, and March of last year, we were in three countries and ended up being in about nine states. But 
did some Zooms. We did have two weeks of basketball camp. We normally have 400 kids in camp in the summer, but they limited us, the state of North Carolina, our governor. Things have been shut down. As you know, Tennessee is a little more open, so I like to come over here. Yeah. North Carolina's still pretty shut down. But we had two weeks of socially distanced basketball camp. We could only have 50 kids in each week. So what did that look like? Well, we had to take their temperature when they came in. We had uh, balls on the court six feet apart. And our instructional camp, we don't play a lot of five-on-five, and we didn't play any this summer because they didn't want them interacting. But we did all the Pistol Pete Maravich drills, which the drills that are Stephen Curry's doing today. And we take them through all those. And then we would wipe the balls off uh, before and midway through and afterwards. So it was a little more work, but... Praise the Lord, we didn't have one case of COVID. Well, let me ask you this, Randy. Now, speaking of North Carolina, the University of North Carolina, Duke, and and all these other big hotshot teams, when they played their season, were they playing socially distanced? Were they keeping to the same guidelines? No, no fans in the arena. But they could play. They the high school kids in in North Carolina are still playing with mask on. Volleyball, basketball, all the sports are wearing masks. The colleges didn't wear masks, but they let no fans in. They don't let only their support staff in. So you got Duke and North Carolina, which are big basketball arenas. Or Duke's smaller, but they're loud, yeah. and they're not letting any fans in. So it's definitely been different. To be honest with you, it's hard to watch a game with a cardboard <laughs> figure you know, yeah. in the stands. You That's know? right. I haven't played in a socially distanced game because we didn't get to have our Crossfire ACC All-Star game that we normally have. But we've done some pickup back in North Carolina, but most of it's been speaking and a couple weeks of camp, some uh, Zoom. I did go out of North Carolina to some states and did some assemblies in Colorado, and I was just at the Super Bowl and was blessed to do six Christian schools around Tampa, Clearwater area, and three churches. And glory to God, we saw 191 professions of faith that week of the Super Bowl. Praise God for that. So what was life like there in the Tampa area with the schools? Were those schools back in session? They're back. The Christian schools were in, and the public schools were in. They did the assembly programs. They had the young people sitting six feet apart at some of the places. Some of them, I guess, based on what the principal or the administration wanted to do, it seemed like the rules were a little different in every place but they did wear their mask some were six feet apart like in a gym they had the chair six feet apart all down the court and then some were closer than that some had a row in the chapel separating them so it varied from place to place randy what has god what has he been teaching you through this time period making these adjustments looking at this pandemic has been something impacting not only us here in the u.s but around the world people making these adjustments in lifestyle Yeah, it's been a real eye-opener, I think, for all of us. And I think it's the urgency of the gospel, because with so much going on, you know, there's different interpretations of could this be the end times? Could look like it. I mean, you take the newspaper in one hand, take the, the Bible in the other hand. So to me, it's promoting the urgency of the gospel. I was an evangelist. I was a missionary before. But even, you know, like the opportunity we had today in the store just a few minutes ago at the Broken Egg, two waitresses began to witness to them, and they just froze and said, We've been thinking about this. Thank goodness it wasn't busy. Shared the gospel with them right there. And they both, uh, said, they said, well, we need to do this. I said, well, we can do it now if you're really serious. And they said, we're serious. And glory to God, they prayed to receive Christ right there in the restaurant. So I believe it's the urgency of the gospel because people are looking for answers. They're worried. They're anxious. And we've got the answer as believers. We just have to share it. And thank God people are praying. It's easy to pick fruit when God's preparing the hearts. Randy, you said two key things here. I want to kind of hone in on a moment. You said these two girls had been thinking about this and that they were serious about that. 
the combination of those two is where the gospel explodes in the heart Amen. and makes transformation, right? That's exactly right. Yes, sir. And with everything that's going on, people are thinking about their lives. I mean, even what happened with Tiger Woods yesterday, I mentioned that to the girls. And then, what, a year ago, the situation with Kobe Bryant when he passed away. So I think when superstars like that, that people see on TV, something happens to them, they start thinking about, wow, if it can happen to them, it can happen to me. So as believers, we've got the message. We just have to share it. I was talking to a young girl recently that had a friend, his wife was planning to go out and have lunch with a girlfriend. He went in the room, and she just fell dead there on the wow. floor, you know? Wow. And so there is an appointed time for each of us to die. The Bible says that, and then to face the judgment. We have to have a heart that's prepared, a life that's prepared. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of questions, people wondering, what is it about? How can I find this hope? Is there a way to have hope and peace? Let's take a little bit of time and explain the gospel. I think so often people hear that term, the gospel, and they have ideas what it is, or maybe a childhood experience, but they haven't really seen life change. Right. And, you know, we know the gospel means the good news. And I love to use the old uh, question that our brother who's in heaven now, uh, Presbyterian minister, D. James Kennedy, with EE Evangelism Explosion, and he would ask the question, or they, when they started this program, the question was asked, if you die today, you stood before God, and he said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And Byron, I often tell folks, if we went to Walmart right now, and we ask 100 people that question, even in the Bible Belt, 75% wouldn't have a Bible answer. The number one answer you get is, I'm a good person. And we know the Scripture says, the gospel, there is none good, right. not even one. You and I are sinners, and our sin separates us from God. And just like you're listening out there today, you get paid a wage for working end of a week, two weeks, end of a month. Well, the wages of my sin and your sin is death, separated from God for eternity in a place called hell. Now, if that was the end of the message, that'd be very devastating. But as believers, we have the good news, the gospel, which is Jesus Christ came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, went to the cross at 33 years of age, didn't stay in the grave like Buddha, like Mohammed, like Confucius, like all the other religious leaders you're going to hear about. There's thousands of religions, but we're talking about a relationship with Christ. And Jesus rose from the grave, defeated sin and hell for you and I, and that's the gospel message. And we got to get that, as I told the girls in the restaurant, that we got to get it from our head to our heart, to where we actually, just like we sat down in these chairs, we didn't look to see if the bolts were fastened. We just believed that these chairs were going to hold us. Sure. Well, you hear the gospel, and you put your faith in Christ, and you believe, and that's when you're born again, and then you grow, just like we're going to eat dinner, Lord willing, and we're going to continue to get stronger physically to function. We have to grow spiritually through the Word, through prayer, through fellowship in Bible-believing churches. You know, we've talked to that about three or four minutes there. That's the gospel. And I believe, like Bill Bright said, you know, that five minutes with a person or less is a divine opportunity to share the gospel. And that's what God's called me to do, and I love doing it. Glory to God. You know, it's not that complicated you know, no. as we make it. I've been reading through the Gospel of Mark, and today I was reading about how the Sadducees, you know, just two days before Christ went to the cross, he was confronted by the religious order of the day. The Pharisees came to him, the scribes, the Sadducees, and they all had these questions, trying to trap him up. The Sadducees were those who did not believe in the resurrection. That's and right. Jesus very clearly said, you don't know the power of God 
nor the scriptures. Exactly. But they had this religious system they were living by, and they thought they were pleasing to God. Exactly. But they were so far. They, were, they had missed it. And even when Jesus talked to the scribe, he asked him the question, you know, what are the two greatest commandments? You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbors yourself. And then the scribe reiterated what Jesus had said and went through that. And then he talked about when he said, love your neighbor. And this is something I never really paid attention to before. Even if you were to offer a whole burnt offering and the sacrifice, that is not as great is loving your neighbor. And Jesus told him, you spoke wisely, and you're so near to the kingdom. But he wasn't there, because the commandments keeping is not going to put you in relationship with God. They point to Christ. Exactly. But the key to the kingdom is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Very (laughs) well said. I love that. Well, it just came alive as I'm reading this, you know, and seeing that's what happens. If you get serious and you spend time in the Word, what happens? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. Okay, so adjustments you're having to make. 2021, I mean, we don't know when this thing's going to end or how much longer we're going to be going through this time. What kind of plans? Do you have a board that helps give you advice? We have a board, but they pretty much trust Jamie and I. 30 years of ministry, we meet with them, but they let us kind of handle the day-to-day operations, but I call schools in Tampa, and I call schools in Memphis here that I've been to before. Some of them are having chapel, some of them are not, so I'm going to a few schools here. Some aren't meeting in chapel yet, so you just I just kind of call and pray and say, here I am if you want to use me, and so the ones that are open I go to, and the ones that are not, then you might meet them at the restaurant like today. So there's ministry to be done everywhere. And overseas travels right now, it's just off it's the table. It's shut down. You have to uh, quarantine for two weeks, and we just haven't got to the point that we're doing that yet. Al has invited us back in Jerusalem. We've been in schools there in Palestine and Jerusalem. We've been invited back there. We've got invitations to Brazil, to Peru, to Africa, to Israel, to Palestine, just waiting on the airlines to clear up. And in the meantime, we just, during COVID, Jamie and I, Jamie's back in Asheville, but we would go to the parks and we would run and share the gospel, gas station, restaurant. I mean, wherever God opened the door, people need the Lord. They do, wherever you go. I saw recently you made a a social media post, and I think it's okay to ask this, about prayer for your mom. How's she doing? She's doing good. Mom's going to be 90. She deals with a little bit of uh, skin disorder called lichen plantus, and I think she worries about her boy. Probably comes with a little stress. She got a little stressed, me coming to Memphis for 10 days. She wants me to go. She prays for me, but I'm sure in the back of her mind, COVID and different things, but Wow, the post people responded and kicked in and prayed, and uh, she's doing better already. So glad to have my mom still at 90 years old, and she looks about 65, so I pray <laughs> I've got those genes, brother. I'll tell you what, my mom's 83, still works four days a week. Wow, you know? that's so, powerful. Yeah, it's just amazing. I don't have the energy she has, I can tell you that right now. Uh, and what about Randy Shepard, health-wise? We did an update each time you yeah, come. Yeah, I'm doing to- well. I go to Denver uh, once a year, and I was back in Denver right before Christmas in December. Got a scan on the liver. Things are still not growing, which is a blessing. He said if it ever grows that maybe millimeters it's growing, but at this point they just monitor it. And thank the Lord, Byron, it's a slow-growing tumors, small ones on the liver. But I'm blessed to have something that you can live with. And I think I told you, the doctor told me a few years ago, he said, Randy, you got a better chance of getting eaten by a tiger in Africa than this taking your life. Although I do take a shot once a month to offset the little spots produce serotonin, 
not brain serotonin, but stomach serotonin. And the situation is called carcinoid, not carcinoma. Carcinoma is very fast. Carcinoid is slow. So if you had to pick one off of a chart, that'd be the one I'd pick. Do I believe Jesus heals? Absolutely. I pray for healing daily. Thank God for doctors and medication. And then we've all experienced our loved one going on to glory. They wouldn't come back if we begged them. So, but I'm doing good, and I, yes. you know, feel great and working out and lifting and running and trying to eat right because you got to keep up with those uh, twenty to thirty year olds on the court. So, you look like uh, you're about thirty right no, now. Well, you're kind, brother. You're kind. Yeah, we've talked in the past about churches and their sports ministries, and of course, again, we're looking at big adjustments being made. But as you look over the past thirty years, and have you stepped into? a lot of different churches with sports ministries. What are some things that stand out to you as being a gospel-centered and examples of good sports ministries and churches? Definitely. I remember Dr. Rogers saying this years ago when I first came here with Spirit Express. He said, the Apostle Paul said to use all means necessary to win some. So if you can use music and sports or the international languages, in the last 20 years, we've all heard of Upward, which was started by a gentleman named Kaz right down from Asheville and Spartanburg, South Carolina, which is a basketball program. So Crossfire, we get to do a lot of the Upward banquets where they bring a speaker in after the season, which presents the gospel to the parents. They do devotionals during the season, but they have a big evangelistic outreach at the end. So we get to do a lot of those. Our softball ministry is made up of men. Most of them played. Uh, college baseball. Jamie Johnson, my ministry partner, just went to Myrtle Beach this past weekend to what's known as the World Softball Nationals. And we played seven teams in a double elimination tournament, teams from all over the eastern coast, up and down, and glory to God, Byron, 42 men on a softball field and one nine-year-old boy and one umpire repented of their sin and put their faith in Christ. And these are men that take their families to the ball field, probably aren't going to be in church, but we've got to take the gospel to them. And we don't water the gospel down. We give a good gospel presentation, and then the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the gospel, draws them in, and we gave Bibles to them. Sports and music, as you guys know, are the international languages, and we've got to go to where the people are. And I think if a church can use a sports program not to just uh, be an activity, but a means to an end. Yeah. Use the softball, use the basketball, use the concert to draw people in to hear a clear explanation of the gospel. And then hopefully they make a decision for Christ. They'll get involved in a Bible-believing church like you have many in the Mid-South area where they can be discipled and grow in their relationship with Christ. I think that's the key there, too, is looking at it as a disciple-making ministry. There's an opportunity for men and women, too, to be example, disciple-makers, spirit-filled examples on the field. Oh, yeah. We want to teach our kids that come to Crossfire Camp that you can be a good athlete, you can play hard, you can lay it on the line, but you can also live for Jesus. Colossians 3.23, and all you do, do hardly unto the Lord, not unto man, but also be spirit-led. Yes. Pray before you get smacked on the arm and the referee doesn't call it. <laughs> I've had to bite my tongue many times because we're all competitors. But uh, you gotta, you got to remember it's just a game, and there's a greater purpose for playing the game, and that's to share the gospel. It is the power of God to Amen. salvation that everyone who believes— Amen. Wow, Randy, it's always great to have you here. Now, I always like when you bring the basketball (laughs) and you bring your toys, you brought your toothbrush and your spoon, your Bible and your cell phone. And as we close out today, why don't you give us that part of the thing I like best when you come in town? (laughs) I always say, Byron, when you can't jump, 
You have to do something. And I worked hard on my jumping back in the day, but I just wasn't meant to jump. So I would do different things with the ball. Pistol Pete Maravich used to do these things with the ball. Mom and Dad would come home, and I'd be spinning the ball like so and putting it on different fingers and moving it around and so forth. And the next day they came home, I had a spoon out. And Crossfire goes to Africa, Russia, Cuba, the Ukraine, Argentina, Brazil, and the Mid-South. We tell folks this is how boys from Asheville, North Carolina, eat ice cream. Not all of us, but a few. You get it going real good, and then you eat your ice cream. But the greater message is taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you taste the Lord? You repent of your sin. You give your life to Jesus and find out how much He loves you and cares for you in His Word. The next day, Mom and Dad came home. I had a toothbrush out. And just like this silly toothbrush is going to clean my teeth, we've been blessed, Crossfire, Jamie and I, to go to Israel 23 times. And you've been there twice. We were just talking about it. But there's a place there called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And that's where a holy God, sinful world, our sin is separating us from God. Jesus went to the cross. He was fully God. He was fully man. He went to the grave, didn't stay in the grave, but on the third day he rose from the grave. And just like this silly toothbrush is going to clean my teeth, Jesus Christ wants to clean our hearts up and give us peace and hope and purpose for living. And then when you get excited about the Lord, like you all here at Bot Art, you want to get your old school. You and I know what this is. It's a flip phone. The young kids today have the iPhones, and I can do it on an iPhone, Byron, but they're way too expensive to mess up. And what does the Bible say in Acts 1.8? It says, But ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. God gave me that illustration a few years ago to use in sharing the gospel. And you can go on the streets, Bill Street or Poplar Avenue or Nicaragua or Africa and use that ball to draw a crowd and then put the ball down and say, hey, here's the real reason that I'm here and share the gospel. That is fantastic. Glory to God. Praise God. Thank you again for coming. You have an open invitation. Well, I think thank you, you, you know that. It's just us adjusting our schedules That's to make right. it happen. I'm so glad you were available today. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to be here for about 10 days in churches, schools, some ma'am gyms, and just sharing the gospel. I appreciate Bot. appreciate those that pray for us and support us. And you guys are reaching a lot of people. Well, thank talking you. about supporting, if we want to do that or get more information about Crossfire Ministries, what can we do? Go to our website at www.crossfireministries.com. Com, or I have a Facebook page, Randy Shepherd, or we have a Instagram, social media. They can find us there. And uh, most of all, we appreciate your prayers and just thank God for your station. Thank you for letting me share and uh, love you people in the Mid-South. Love you, brother. God bless you. Thank you so much for what you continue to do for Christ's kingdom through Crossfire Ministries. Thank you, brother. Y'all keep up the good work as well. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.